as Pastor mentioned uh, at the beginning of the service, this is now our, our tenth and final week of walking through this New Testament letter, First Peter. A letter in which we've seen several things from Peter. Really two, two main facts that he tells us throughout this entire book. Number one, as Christians, we're going to be faced with suffering. Suffering that will come in all different kinds of, of shapes and sizes. And, and I'm going to go back to a word that most of you know I, I really enjoy. A word that Peter uses an awful lot, therefore. He says, you're, you're Christians, you're following Christ. And because Christ suffered, therefore, as you follow Christ, you're going to suffer too. But, he says, that's not, that's not it. That's not the whole thing. There's another side. Because you're Christians, you're following Christ, and just as Christ, after he suffered and died, rose again, victorious over death. Therefore, brothers and sisters, as you follow Christ, you will be raised again to life. So our suffering is temporary. But that hope that we have, that living hope of Easter that we have through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is eternal. And what a wonderful joy that fills us with. Today, to begin my message, I'll use the closing words of this letter of, of Peter. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Amen. I'm going to do something now, which I am second-guessing because of how many people are here today, which I, I haven't been brave enough to do yet in a sermon. I, I'm going to sing a little bit. Um, it went over very well last week at Hope. They actually got up and started clapping with me. I don't <laughs> expect the same response here, but, but bear with me, all right? Maybe you know the song. If you want to join in, feel free. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. In the jungle, the quiet jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. And I'm going to stop. We're, we're just going to stop right there. Um, not quite as much exuberance as, as I maybe was hoping for, but about as much as I expected. Um, that's okay. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say most of you have heard that song before. In fact, I think I can be so bold as to guess that we're all very familiar with that song to the point where maybe all that it takes for that song to come into our minds and, and to get into our heads is for us to hear the word lion. Whenever I, I hear lion, someone talking about a lion, that song comes into my head and that's, that's what happened this last week as I was getting ready for this sermon because there's a verse here in the end of 1 Peter that talks about a lion. I'm going to read that one for you one more time. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you take that verse and you line it up side by side with the lyrics of that song, especially later on, Hush, my darling, don't fear, my darling, the lion sleeps tonight. I think it's a safe bet that the guy that wrote the song was not talking about the same lion God is warning us about in his word this morning. 
Because the lion that we see here in 1 Peter, the devil, is by no means sleeping. God says he's awake, he's on the prowl, and he's coming for you. So God's message this morning is not that that you can hush and be quiet and don't fear because the lion is sleeping. His message to you is to be alert or you're going to be desert. And I know that's a a cheesy rhyme, but hopefully it it helps, it sticks with you and, and helps you take that away from this. Alert or desert. But I can't start with verse 8, because we promise you to go through the whole book of 1 Peter, so we have the entire fifth chapter before us today. Let's go back to to verse 1 then. We're going to find a little section that kind of sticks out from the rest of the book. Maybe Peter is digressing a little bit here. He's been talking all about that Christian struggle, all about the sufferings that we face as Christians, and now now he's going to break off for a little bit and talk talk to the elders, the leaders of the church. I'll read the first four verses. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, I had said that maybe that was a bit of a a digression from the rest of the book. And the first time when I read through the English, it seemed to me like Peter maybe was just saying, oh, Here I am at the end of my letter and I haven't said anything to those elders yet. I should probably jot something down quick before I put a stamp on this and and mail it to to Turkey. But the more I looked at it, I thought that's probably not the case here. And it actually seems like it has an awful lot to do with the rest of the letter. There was just one thing that was missing. And so I got out my Greek New Testament and I looked and and there it was. One little word right at the beginning of, of the first verse. And maybe you can guess what it was, the word therefore. It's not in the English text, and it's really a shame because it does such a great job, and Peter does that all the way along. He's telling you every next thing I'm saying is exactly related to everything else I've told you so far. Yes, living as a Christian will be difficult. In fact, Peter uses words like a fiery ordeal, a painful trial. He says, The devil is going to come after you. He's going to try and wear down your defenses. He's going to beat you down with a club. He's going to try and get you to start questioning whether God is is really in control at all. Because if he was, then then how could all these things be happening to you? That's what those Christians that Peter was writing to were asking. They thought, we must not even be doing this whole Christian thing, right? Or God wouldn't be punishing us with all of this suffering. Satan wants us in the midst of our Christian suffering to to reach out and grab a hold of the the morphine drip of sin and give it a good hard squeeze. Because that's what he does. That's what Satan is so great at, isn't it? He takes sin and he packages it and presents it to us as something that that we want. As something maybe even that we need. Something that, that could help us to put all this pain and suffering aside. And he's good 
at what he does. The devil has been tempting people for thousands and thousands of years, and and all of us here have only been trying to resist temptations for maybe a, a couple of decades. He's better at his game than, than we are. And so it's in light of all of that that now Peter says, therefore, gentlemen, those of you here at Cross of Life who serve as leaders in this church, he says, I appeal to you. The Holy Spirit speaking through Peter says, I am appealing to you. Shepherd my flock. Serve these Brothers and sisters of yours that are sitting around you, serve them eagerly and willingly, and most of all, serve them by example. You, gentlemen, he says, you need to be alert. Because if you're not, then the devil is going to lead astray not only yourself, but all these other Christians here. This part of God's flock which has been entrusted to your care. And that's a pretty big responsibility to be carrying around on your shoulders. But the blessing that God attaches to that responsibility is greater even still. He says, when the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus returns at the end of all days, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Be faithful, God says. Serve my church here in your days on earth, and I will will glorify you forever in heaven. To the rest of us, he says, those that aren't leaders in the church, submit to those men. Respect them. Be humble and and serve them. Help them serve you. That's God's advice to us as Christians. It's his command to us as Christians. Be alert or be desert. Passage talks about a lion prowling around. And as Christians, we're going to have to, to keep a good lookout because just like a lion sneaking up on its prey, the devil has a habit of, of sneaking up on us and attacking us when we least expect it. A lot of the times he does that by giving us a false sense of security. We might think we know the Bible so well. We might think that we have, we have read the Scriptures so thoroughly that we, we maybe have a, a pastor who is so well-trained that there's no way the devil can, can sneak any false doctrine into our lives. We may have resolved that we're going to stand so firmly that no persecution, no suffering, no, no painful trial is going to be able to distract us from the path to heaven. We think we're good. We think we've got it. And it's in moments like that that Satan comes in and he just he takes that confidence that we have and he shifts it just a little bit. He turns it from confidence in, into pride. He takes our trust off of Jesus and puts it on ourselves. And there's a problem with that. A problem that Tobias learned very well. Because if we look at that verse... Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a a roaring lion. There's an issue there if we try and stand on our own. Because that that enemy, that lion, is not just prowling around. He's not just sneaking up. He's also roaring at the top of his lungs for everyone to hear. And I might be incredibly alert. I might be super self-controlled. 
so that I think I can spot him coming from a mile away. But even if I do, the devil is not dangerous to us just because he's sneaky. The devil is a danger to each and every one of us because he is stronger than we are. And even if we spot him from from a mile off, he can still come right up and tear us to pieces. Drag those pieces right down with him into the lion den of, of hell. On my own, on your own, we're dessert. And if we, we trust in ourselves to keep the devil at bay, then he's already licking his lips. Because he knows snack time is coming. He knows he's got it in the bag. And we do that every time that, that we approach church with an attitude of, oh, well, I went to confirmation class. I, I got confirmed. I go to a Christian school. I, I have chapel all the time. I don't, I don't need to go to church on Sunday. I'm good. I, I got this. Or maybe it's, look, I, I do go to church every single Sunday. I went to Sunday school every, every week when I was growing up. I go to Bible class every Sunday now. I know all the stories in this Bible. I'm good. I got this. Or maybe it's even, look, I, I read the Bible every single day. In fact, I've read the entire thing front to back eight times. I'm, I'm not just good, I'm great. I am so prepared to, to fend off the devil. But the one problem with each of those reasonings is that they all come back to the word I. I, I, I. And if we base our strength in our in our church attendance or in the fact that we took a class or the fact that we've read through a book eight or nine times that we're going to be in trouble. The devil is going to pick us apart. That's, that's sinful pride speaking. God tells us in his Bible, he says, pride leads to destruction. Not just the destruction that the devil is going to bring from us. Verse 5 in our text this morning says, God opposes the proud. If we're standing ourselves up on a pedestal, God is going to come and he's going to, he's going to take us down a couple notches. But he gives grace to the humble. So clothe yourselves, Peter says. He, he urges you, clothe yourselves with humility. And clothing yourselves to prepare against the devil is a picture that we get a couple of times in Scripture. The Apostle Paul liked it. He told us to put on the full armor of God. He said, put on a a breastplate of righteousness, take up the shield of faith, put on the helmet of salvation, and, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But that's not what Peter's talking about. This verb that Peter uses to say, clothe yourselves, is very specific. It means not putting on armor or a shirt or or pulling on socks. It's talking about tying a piece of clothing around your waist. It's talking about putting on an apron. Put on the apron of humility. You can add that to the the full armor of God. You might be thinking the same thing I was thinking when I read this. Well, there's a lion coming for me. And I don't think an apron is going to help a whole lot. And how is a servant going to, to fight off the devil? How can a servant fight off a lion? And the truth is, he can't. 
But servants didn't have to fight for themselves. All servants had to do was serve, and then their lord or their master would take up arms for them. He would fight for them. He would protect them from lions or from their enemies, whatever it may be. All the servants had to do was serve. And the same thing is true for for you and for me. We cannot fight off the devil on our own. But we don't have to. Because our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, can. And he has done just that for us. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. If we let that beginning part stand alone, it doesn't help us a whole lot, but the real ticket is right there at the end. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. It's not my strength, my intelligence, my intellect that is going to prepare me to be alert and self-controlled and fend off the devil. It's my stance in the faith. A faith which trusts in Jesus, which humbly trusts in Jesus as, as my Lord and Master who will protect me against the devil. Faith which, which willingly throws up my hands and says, Jesus, save me. And of all the Christians in, in the history of Christianity that are qualified to teach us about this, Peter is, is way up there. Because Peter knew exactly what it was like to have his stance firmly rooted in the faith. Firmly into to Christ, our cornerstone. Peter also knew exactly what it felt like to, to have that footing loosen up and, and crumble. In our Gospel lesson this morning, Jesus comes to Peter and he says, look, you're going to deny me You're going to fall. And then when you're done, you need to get back up and you need to encourage your brothers. Peter says, Lord, please. I would die before I would ever deny you. And we all know what happened later that night. Peter did not die, but he did deny Jesus. And he did it not once, not twice, but three times. That wasn't the first time he'd lost his footing either. We go back about a a year before that night when Jesus was arrested. Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and and two small fish. Then he says, I need some time alone to go and pray. So he sent the disciples on ahead of him across across the lake to the other side, and, and he went up to pray. And I think you know this one too, as the disciples are going across the wind starts picking up, the waves are crashing against the boat, pushing it out away from land, and the disciples cannot make it to shore. And then just before dawn, just as the the light is starting to come up, they make out what looks like the form of a man coming across the water towards their boat. And they freak out. This has to be a ghost. They're saying people don't just walk on water until all of a sudden... This, this figure of a man calls out to them in a voice that they recognize as Jesus and says, don't be afraid. It is I. And Peter steps up and he says, with all the faith of a, a new disciple, he says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. 
Jesus says, come. So Peter steps out of the boat into the water. He walks right up to Jesus. And he looks back at the boat and he says, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. Or, or maybe not. And I think most of you know that's not what happened. Because as soon as Peter got into the water, as soon as that first wave splashed up against his leg, that great faith which said, tell me to come to you on the water, started to waver. And that was all it took. And and Peter started to sink. And as the water is closing in around him, he knew there was absolutely nothing that he could do to save himself. So he he throws up his hands for, for a lifeline and he says, Jesus, save me. That's why Jesus told Peter to come out in the first place. He wanted to teach him and the rest of the disciples that walking as disciples of Christ, just like walking on the water, is not something that they could do by themselves. They could only do it with Jesus helping them as he reached out and took their hands and led them through it. And the same thing, brothers and sisters, is true for us. We go through this life as Christians and we get pretty full of ourselves sometimes. We think, I've I've got this, I've, I've got it in the bag. But then as soon as the winds of suffering start to blow, and as soon as that first wave of temptation comes up and hits us, our, our firm stance on, on the faith crumbles. And we start to sink. And the devil rears his ugly head, and he, he opens up his mouth, and he gets ready to swallow you up like a, a roaring lion or, or a raging sea. And Peter says, that's not the time to to start trying to paddle the shore. Because you're not going to make it. You don't stand a chance. He says, that's when you take the apron of humility, you tie it around your waist, and you just throw your hands up in the air. You say, Jesus, if you use a little help here. Humble yourselves, God tells us, under my mighty hand. And I will lift you up. The God of all grace, Peter tells us, will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. He himself will restore you. God has called you through his son, Jesus Christ, to eternal glory in heaven. And he is going to get you there. So just trust him. Anything that comes into your life that's going to distract you from Him, all of those diversions, those anxieties, just throw them on Him. Let the One who cares for you carry you in His grace. We can be as alert as we want, and that's going to help prepare us against the devil's attacks, but only God's grace will get us through them. We can be super self-controlled, and that will help us put off the the devil's snares, but our self-control is going to crack. We're going to fail. We're going to fall, just like Peter did so many times in his life. And then it's by God's grace that you can get right back up and keep on going. Why? Because Jesus has defeated the lion. Jesus crushed our enemy, the devil. He himself tied an apron of humility around his waist. He came down to earth and became human just like you and I. And he subjected himself to all of the temptations and the sufferings that we face day in and day out. 
But Jesus never cracked. When Satan came to tempt Jesus, Jesus said, I will serve the Lord and the Lord only. There is nothing you are going to do to change that. He said, and you know what's more, Satan? I know that you have led my sheep astray. I know that you have tricked each and every one of these people here into listening to your voice instead of listening to mine. And you may think that you've won. You may think that they're all going to be coming right along with you to an eternity of suffering in hell. But you know what, Satan? You're wrong. Because I volunteer. I'm going to take their punishment for them. I'm going to die in their place. I'm going to restore them. I'm going to lift them up and give them a crown of glory that will never go away. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He gave his life for us on the cross, taking all of our sin, all of our guilt, all the punishment that we deserved on himself, and then in return giving us his holiness, his perfection, and his righteousness. So the battle is over. The victory is ours. But yet this warning remains. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. The lion is defeated, but he still is not sleeping. And even in his defeat, God allows Satan to go throughout this world testing Christians, causing them to suffer. Don't give up, God says. Don't give in. Because that suffering is there for a reason. It keeps your focus on me. It gives you a reason to place your trust in Jesus instead of on yourself. It gives you a reason to to throw your hands up into the air and say, Jesus, save me. That suffering reminds us of the blessings that we have already won. Things like salvation, forgiveness of sins, and, and a new life, a new birth into that living hope. The living hope of Easter which is ours through Jesus Christ. That suffering gives us cause to to take comfort in these closing words of this letter from Peter, that the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That is the living hope of Easter. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which is beyond our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord until life everlasting. Amen.